Hi everyone, my name is Sofia Huerta and I play professional soccer for the OL Reign and you are listening to Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello there everybody and welcome back to the Sac- Whoa, Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I apologize, this is, I believe it's the 143rd episode um, of the show itself. Let me check here. Um, that would be correct. The 143rd episode of the show itself. We're approaching that 150 mark. Um, with that being said, I apologize for last week. I not only had some technical difficulty issues, you know, with the recording itself, but also uh, was, you know, feeling under the weather um, and was not eatable. Eatable? Excuse me. My hiccups are coming up. Hiccups and burps. Um feeling under the weather and was not able to actually record the episode itself. So we are back, you know, uh, the circling cell sports on converge episode had to fill in, but you know, I'm back with it here um, with the podcast version for those who prefer the podcasts or would like to get perhaps more or so of somewhat of an in-depth or even maybe this will end up being a, a shorter version of the show itself. So with that being said, we will continue into our Seattle Seahawks news here. Mont- too much going on here it's more of a just like some housekeeping stuff um and some league news uh on the fourth of the month as we head straight into team notes bobby wagner stated that he did not have any hatred towards the seattle seahawks uh for the way no 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 hatred towards the seahawks but that the ending of his time in seattle does not sit right with him that makes total sense I mean, with the way that that situation was handled by, you know, not only the front office, but just how that all went down. I, I understand it. You know, it, it, it's, it was a disrespectful way to go out and Wagner should have been treated much better than he was uh, in that situation. So uh, it also got, you know, brings into question some people. Um, I haven't seen too much of it. Luckily, I've seen people really been a, uh, be mature about the situation and not be uh, say anything really dumb about Bobby Wagner signing with the Rams. But, uh, you know, it's again, Wagner was released. He did not ask for a trade. He did not ask for out. He stated that, you know, as we got to the end of last season, he wanted to be in Seattle. That was going to be in the cards. That wasn't in John Schneider and Pete Carroll's cards. They didn't ask him to take a pay cut. They just got him. So, you know, I no hate. There's no bad feelings towards Bobby Wagner. Does it suck that he's going to be with a division rival, let alone on another team? Yeah, it does suck, you know, and it makes the Rams a better team. But ultimately, you know, can I blame him for what he did? No, I cannot, especially also considering the fact that he represents himself as his own agent, uh, was able to get himself a solid deal that even if uh, the Rams decide to cut him after year one, he gets a $10 million from it. Um, he was a guy who really impacted the city uh, of Seattle positively in his off the field work, in his charitable work, his pharmaceutical work, pharmaceutical, philanthropical uh, work. Um, so uh, again, I cannot be mad at Bobby Wagner one bit. Um, we head over to April 6th. Uh, the Seahawks hosted uh, Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter for a draft visit. Now, uh, you know, similar to the way that we've been talking about this quarterback position uh, since the Russell Wilson trade took place, um, I really do not have much confidence in any of these quarterbacks in this draft outside of the potential of Malik Willis. Outside of that, 
I really am not too blown away by any of these guys. Will one of these quarterbacks in this draft class probably make a name for himself? I expect it to happen. Um, I just hope that if if that happens, that it's Seattle taking the gamble of Willis at number nine and then it pans out, but I, I don't know. So Seattle hosts Ritter for a draft visit. I'm sure they're doing their homework on the potential drafts. You know, you've got the number nine overall pick. There's a lot of potentials there, you know, going. I mean, there's uh, Derek Stingley Jr., Sauce Gardner, uh, the talks that Kayvon Thibodeau might uh, slip to that spot, uh, offensive tackle, maybe Charles Cross, uh, you know, the quarterbacks that people have thrown around, Ritter, uh, Pickett, uh, Coral, Willis. Um, you could trade out of that pick and acquire, you know, more picks or a player, potentially a veteran. So um, I don't know. It's just, it goes back to the way that the situation with Russell Wilson was handled and how a lot of the drafts have been handled for the Seahawks and just kind of hoping that the right thing is done. Um, and ultimately we'll see if that happens, but I don't know if I have the, uh, most confidence in that. So at the end of the day, uh, we'll just kind of see how that plays out. It's not like we can, uh, there's, there's no clear indication on the board. Uh, it's not like Seattle, um, has said anything about it. So we'll uh, we'll have to see about that. And then also on the six, a false report came out that the Seahawks declined the Jets number 10 overall pick in this year's draft uh, for wide receiver DK Metcalf about an hour before the confirmation that this was false. Uh, the report came out that Seattle declined this pick in a trade. And then, like I said, an hour later, the report came out that this was false. It didn't actually happen. So Ouch. What the heck? Just sort of interesting to see, excuse me, how this all sort of plays out with the draft coming up and with, with the rumors swirling around DK, you know, and especially considering the wide receiver market that we'll touch on here with league news, because another big contract took place in the wide receiver market. Um, John Schneider's comments and not really being committal about DK Metcalf in relation to an extension and it's just, you know, some teams being in need of another wide receiver. So interesting to see how that takes place. Uh, as we head over to league news on the sixth of the month, the bills extend the wide receiver, Stefan Diggs, giving Diggs a four year, $104 million contract with $70 million guaranteed. So like I said, you know, the wide receiver market is a hot place at the current moment. I mean, you look at uh, Tyreek Hill, not getting paid, with the chiefs and then getting traded to Miami and then getting paid there. You look at the digs deal. You look at Allen Robinson signing a deal with the Rams and still getting paid a decent amount of money. Christian Kirk, obviously the first domino uh, falling in this wide receiver market this year with the Jaguars getting overpaid there. Devonte Adams getting traded to the Raiders and getting a big deal. So uh, the wide receiver market has been incredibly insane this off season and at some point, I'm really hoping that DK Metcalf gets his money um, with Seattle, uh, keeping him in Seattle long term, and that it, it, it keeps him happy. I know that, you know, with the salary cap increasing this upcoming season, uh, it should only positive just lessen the blow um, of Metcalf's cap hit. 
but what he ultimately is asking for will be interesting. Is he comparing himself to some of these deals that are being made? You know, uh, is he, I, I don't know. I'm really interested to see how that takes into account, but also, you know, the comments he made about being a leader, you know, on the offensive side of the ball in this football team with Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner gone. Um, I wonder if he, you know, plays that into more money or if he says, I'm going to be with this team, I just need a deal that's respectable of my, uh, my value to the organization. And we see something that maybe doesn't necessarily bring the bank as similar to some of the deals that I just mentioned. So we will keep an eye on that. Also on the six, uh, several attorney generals put the NFL on notice. The attorney generals of six different uh, states here in the U.S. urged the league to fix workplace harassment issues or a major investigation will take place. Now, this uh, relates to a few of the things we're going to mention as we continue with league news, but also um, the just it seems like ever evolving situation with Washington commander's owner, uh, Daniel Snyder, I believe is Daniel Snyder. Um, Daniel Snyder. Yeah, Daniel Snyder. So that that will be something to uh, pay attention to um, when we talk to you next week, if we see a new development there. On the seventh, more uh, head coach, more coaches in the NFL joined the Brian Flores lawsuit. Ex-Cardinals coach Steve Wilkes and defensive coordinator Ray Horton both made discrimination claims against the Arizona Cardinals and the Tennessee Titans. On the ninth, uh, the unfortunate passing of Dwayne Haskins was announced. Uh, the former quarterback was struck by a car while in South Florida, uh, training with other sealers, position players, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs. Um, from what I can understand, uh, Haskins car had run out of gas on the highway and he, um, got out of his car in an attempt to go and get gas and bring it back to his car and was struck by a truck and killed. Um, I know that it, the headline that I read to you said car, but uh, from what I can understand, um, uh, that's, that's what I was able to pick up. Um, so, you know, with that being said, uh, when a player, an athlete, an athletic figure dies, uh, when we cover it on the show, I don't like to, you know, make their achievements the main focus of, you know, telling that story and uh, breaking that news. Um, Adam Schefter went a different route when the news first dropped. Uh, he said struggled uh, in Washington before landing with the Steelers. That was what he said before and announced that he had died. It's, it was incredibly distasteful. And it was pathetic, really. You know, if you're going to mention, obviously, you know, as Schefter is kind of the lead, the lead guy in the NFL for breaking the news and stuff like this. I mean, on the big news, like free agency trades, all that uh, league news, um, it's expected that he's going to have the, you know, football in relation in there. So all you had to say was Steelers quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, you know, former quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. Mentioning that he struggled was distasteful. It was stupid. And his apology that that came out today was, well, by the time that this episode is out, it's going to be yesterday, was incredibly pathetic, um, stating that he, he essentially, he apologized for the way that he worded it. And then he doubled down and just kept talking about his playing career, what he was doing with the Steelers. You know, I just am amazed. It's, 
you we're gonna get the explicit warning now you fucked up really bad really bad so much to the point where a lot of twitter was calling for espn to suspend and or fire Schefter outright um it's incredibly disappointing um and just outright just just fucking pathetic what what Schefter did um and he's handled some situations poorly um and tweeting about the the watson news the uh dalvin cook um uh, domestic assault case tweeting about that you know with those cases he essentially took a side and in, in a in a world where you're not well not a world in the, the situation where you shouldn't be taking a side um but i guess almost what was said by ex-cowboys executive gil brandt um probably was worse uh made some comments following haskins death uh brandt was a big scout with the cowboys um had some things to say. I think it was on a radio show of his. Um, he described Haskins as a guy living to be dead. I uh, criticized his decision to leave school early and speculated speculated that maybe if he stayed in school a year, he wouldn't do silly things. Um, it was always something with Haskins. Jesus. Just incredibly fucking stupid. An old white guy just making stupid fucking comments. So, you know, with that being said, I want to um, wish wish the best uh, to the Haskins family. Um, You know, obviously, this is a man that was a son, a family member, a maybe a potential sibling. I'm not entirely sure. Um, a significant other, a teammate, a friend, um, and someone that people looked up to. Um, so um, I want to wish that Haskins rests in peace um, and that his memory is not spoiled by the stupidity stupidity of how the sports media world um, reacted to his passing. Um, and I wish him the best, ultimately. Um, as he he passes on Um, as we try to continue here on the 11th uh, the Deshaun Watson cases could move forward two of Deshaun Watson's 22 civil cases could be scheduled for this July or they all may be pushed due 2023 due to scheduling issues so uh, some more information on the Watson cases there is obviously um, despite what the Browns tried to say when they traded for the quarterback um, th- these cases are not out of the woods and or done yet. So uh, we will continue to monitor that situation as well as we have been since those stories broke. Uh, looking ahead, uh, the only real thing that we have on the docket in real lifetime um, is the April 20th, 28th through April 30th NFL draft date. That is the important date for the time being. That is what we are keeping our eyes on. Um Next week, we're going to do a draft primer. So uh, start working on mocks, and I will write that down here so I can get some idea that 
Oh boy, I need a pen. There we go. Okay, sorry. I did not have my pen as close as I should have. Next week on CSS, Seahawks, first mock. Okay. Um, so as we head over to our Seattle Mariners here, who began their regular season. Now I say that, but before we get to that, the Mariners had two spring training games um, that we have to look back towards on April 4th uh, versus the Arizona Diamondbacks winning that game six to three. The game would be Nefi Castillo going two for four with a run and two RBIs on the fifth at the Cincinnati Reds to finish out spring training, losing that game nine to 12. Player of the game would be Cesar Isturiz Jr. going two for three with a run, three RBIs, and being left on base twice. So the Mariners finished spring training with a nine and seven record. And similar to NFL preseason, I never really buy you know buy any stock into the record of the team um, in spring training, more so the individual performances. Um, so anyway, we get to close the door on spring training and head over to the regular season now. Uh, which so far has been a mixed bag. Um, so first of all, uh, opening day for the Mariners was, well, for this iteration, not, you know, original opening day prior to the lockout. Uh, uh, this opening day was supposed to be April 7th, but due to inclement weather in Minnesota, yes, crazy that thinking about weather in Minnesota in April, there may be the potential of some bad weather and the fact that the Twins don't have a roof is just mind-boggling um but the april 7th day got moved to april 8th which was supposed to be an off day so april 8th at the minnesota twins the mariners would win that first game of the year two to one player of the game would be right fielder mitch hanniger with one hit a two-run homer uh, that would ultimately obviously be the difference uh, to win that game his stats the rest of his stats were one run a 1.25 ops and two rbis on the ninth, the team beat the Twins in that game as well, four to three on a comeback win. Uh, player of the game would be first baseman Ty France going three for five with two RBIs and being left on base twice. The Mariners were down in that one, down going into the top of the ninth inning. Uh, but young Julio Rodriguez, Rodriguez would get his first major league hit, a leadoff double um, to really jolt the offense and be the difference. Well, not be the difference, but to get things going um, uh, for the Mariners in the top of the ninth there. On the 10th at the Minnesota Twins in the third game of the series, looking to win the series, the Twins would jump all over Mariners pitching in that one, getting all over starter Marco Gonzalez as the Mariners would lose four to ten. The Twins would hit six homers. Uh, player of the game would be designated hitter in that game, Mitch Hanniger going two for four with a run and three RBIs. Mitch hitting a three-run homer uh, to drag the Mariners back into it. That score after the, his home run would be four to six, but uh, Seattle could not contain the Twins hitting and could not get any more runs after that home run. Uh, and then the final game of the series as one last chance to try and win the series for Seattle. Uh it would fail to do that as starter Chris Flexen. I believe he would go would allow one run. Um, 
the bullpen would come in and give up three and the zero to four loss. And you can see there with the zero part, the offensive, the bats were asleep. Um, and no player of the game there. So it's, it's an interesting start to the season. There are, you know, some holes that despite the excitement, despite, you know, the additions of a winker of a Robbie Ray, you know, of the Suarez um, calling Julio Rodriguez up there is, you know, even after that, you know, looking at the opening day roster, there were, there were holes to be filled. You know, you kind of, if you're making a playoff run this year or, you know, trying to get to the playoffs at all, you would like to have that fifth starter, someone that's a proven commodity, someone that, you know, you know, fills out this rotation, uh, a lefty reliever wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, another bat would be great and a solidified third baseman, um, someone that was available in free agency that Seattle kind of passed on, but also the fact that those contracts were so big and so long might've deterred that, um, all those things would have been great, uh, but it hasn't been the case. The bullpen has had some struggles the last two games simply because also the, well, Marco didn't help out in that game on the 10th and in this game on the 11th today, you know, the, the bats didn't do any favors on the bullpen ultimately collapsed. Um, there's, there's a couple notes to look at uh, as we look down the board. Uh, well, I'm going to go from how I remember the, the offense here, uh, fielding wise and left field, uh, Winker's been good defensively, but still trying to get his bat awake, uh, in center field between Kelnick and Julio, both of those guys are having a difficult start to the year. And those guys, you know, really need to figure it out. Um, in ideal world, if I'm running the organization, I would like to have Julio down in triple a, for the first few weeks of the season, just so he can see the closest thing to major league baseball pitching um, and get acclimated to it there. And if he continues to mash, say, Hey, you're ready. Fine. Let's do it. Uh, Kelnick. I hope he doesn't think too much about it. And he just ultimately gets to playing his game. Um, Cause you hear a lot about how he's made a bunch of changes to a swing and this and this and that, and a bunch of changes here are all of the different changes necessary or are you overthinking it? You know, I know that a lot of people say he always looks like he's stressed. He's always this, uh, just let the game. T- I want, I don't know. He's, he's a really interesting conundrum to me right now. Um, and I just wonder if he's not being handled properly or if it's his own internal thing that he has to work on or someone has to work on with him. Um, so that, that is something that's really interesting to see for me. Um, what else do we have? Oh, right field uh, with Hanniger. Um, his, his batting average hasn't been too hot. I know that he had the home runs and he was player of the game uh, for two of those games there, but just more consistent bat. That's what I'd like to see. Heading over to third, Suarez has just had trouble batting at all. I know he had one hit, I think, in the game in the April 10th game that would have been a home run in any other ballpark outside of Minnesota's ballpark. So that was bad luck. Uh, his defensive issues so far haven't been a concern uh, so far. Um, but his bat, similar to Winker, just needs to wake up, need to get that going. 
JP don't have any complaints on JP. Uh, Fraser Fraser had an error in the uh, 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 April tenth loss, um, and his bat also needs to wake up. I know he's gotten unlucky um, with his. Uh, I know his expecting batting average is high, but it's just been unlucky with some of the, the way some of the pitches have gone. Um, so I guess it's and it's just same with Winker and Suarez need to get that bat awake. Uh, France don't have any complaints about Ty France. I think Ty France is golden, uh, but that could be bias. Um, look over to catcher. Uh, you know, having Tom Murphy, well, Tom Murphy uh, catchers ultimately haven't been a problem this year. I think they've all played pretty solid uh, defensively well, but I think Cal Raleigh has the most upside. On this roster, it's funny that I'm going this over this before we even get to the announced roster. I guess I'm taking care of two birds with one stone. Um, but Cal Raleigh has the most upside. You know, your in-house catcher, you know, not a prospect anymore. Just need to consistently improve as he has been doing uh, with his bat and his glove. No complaints there. Uh, through the lineup, Robbie Ray in his opening day start didn't have his best stuff and it looked great. So if he can just improve and continue to gradually you know, warm up. No complaints about Ray. Uh, Logan Gilbert kind of was a little wild to needed to settle down in the first few innings. And then he was able to do so, got out of some great jams. So just need to continue to use his off speed, not rely on that fastball like he did last year, continue to integrate his off speed and he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. Uh, Marco, God, man. I mean, it's like last year not able to really find his location uh, and needs to be able to get that down quicker as opposed to last year, where it was the second half of the season and you had lost a good amount of his starts because he was not able to find his location too many meatballs, you know, just giving up things on a platter to the opposing batters. Um, Flexen uh, flex wasn't horrible. Um, this, this, um, in the start today. Um, I, so I don't necessarily put that on him, but it's just, you know, if we're going to look at it long-term with the year that he had last year, it's almost certain that he's going to regress this year. It's just how much he regresses. And I'm interested to see that. So, I mean, if he's able to regress even a little bit and go somewhat deep in the games, that is a solid win. Um, and if he plays like he did last year, this season, then you're looking at extending a guy and you've got a great fourth starter. Um, fifth starter with Brash. Man, um, I have no idea. I've already sworn in this episode, so I have no fucking idea what you do with Matt Brash. Uh, again, that's what I've been saying all off season. I would like to have a fifth starter that I can count on and that I know will be, or like have another starter near the top of the rotation and then have your fifth starter be one of the, be a Marco or a Flexen that I've already talked about. Um, but the organization believes that Brash can be their guy uh, or they exercise their options already and they're going to fall back on Brash and we'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't think he, he did not pitch in triple a. I don't believe so. So I don't know. I don't know. He's going to get his first start against a White Sox team that, you know, I, th I think I read that someone in ESPN had going to the World Series. So, fuck. Um, 
we will we will see about that and see how that goes um but that is that's my that's my uh impromptu roster overlook so uh, continuing here with players of the week. Uh, I had first baseman Ty France this week in 11 at bats. Ty had four hits, uh, one run, one double, two RBIs, five total bases, two walks, a 365, 364 batting average, a 500 on base percentage, a 455 slugging percentage, and a 955 on base plus slugging. These stats are before the end of the April 11th game. Bell this uh, week had shortstop JP Crawford. In eight at-bats, Crawford had three hits, one run, a double, four total bases, two walks, a 375 batting average, a 545 on-base plus slugging. No, on-base percentage, my apologies, a 500 even slugging percentage, and a 1.045 on-base plus slugging. You honestly could not go wrong with either of those guys um, as your player of the week pick. Um, and I just feel like, uh, you know, with the team's success um, this season, that both of those guys will play an integral role in how far this Mariners team goes, you know, those two uh, staples of the infield here. Excuse me. As we head over to team news. So we'll see here in the first few parts of it, that the team was whittling their roster down to the final opening day roster on the fourth the team optioned infielder Donovan Walton to Triple A Tacoma and reassigned infielder Mike Ford to minor league camp. On the fifth, uh, optioned right-handed pitcher Wyatt Mills to Triple A Tacoma and reassigned the following players to minor league camp: right-handed pitcher Devin Sweet and outfielders Billy Hamilton and Steven Souza. I know that there were arguments on Twitter for both of these guys to be included on the opening day roster, um, in the outfield that is, but. The Mariners opted to go with, I believe it was 10 relievers and three catchers on the opening day roster. Uh, that could obviously change with those two being in Tacoma. Um, but I know that there were calls for those two to be on the opening day roster. I would have liked to have a Hamilton on a roster, but you've also got a log jam in outfield. So I guess if I would have done it, I would have had Hamilton on the opening day roster and Julio in AAA to begin the year. That's what I would have done. Um, on the 6th, obviously, the opening day announcement that uh, the game would be postponed on the 7th due to inclement weather in Minnesota. And then on the 7th, the Mariners released their opening day roster. And the pitchers, Matt Brash, Diego Castillo, Matt Festa, Chris Flexen, Logan Gilbert, Ken Giles, who is currently on the injured list. So you're going to get another top-tier reliever, hopefully, if uh, his injury didn't stink him. Stink him didn't uh, send him back too badly um, back when he's done and he's ready to go. Marco Gonzalez, Anthony Mishevitz, Andres Munoz, Johan Ramirez, Robbie Ray, Sergio Romo, Casey. Well, Romo also recorded his eight under. Uh, I don't know if it was relief appearance or total appearance. So congratulations to Sergio uh, Casey Sadler, who is currently on the injured list as well. He has been announced as out for the year. I doubt that he comes back at any point in time, but I've seen more miraculous comebacks. Uh, Paul Seawald, Justice Sheffield, Drew Steckenrider, and Eric Swanson all round out the pitcher side of things. In the infield, uh, J.P. Crawford, Ty France, Adam Frazier, Dylan Moore, Eugenio Suarez, 
Abraham Toro and Evan White, who is also currently on the injured list. He had surgery for a sports hernia and was scheduled to be back in six to 12 weeks from what we can garner from a sports hernia recovery timeline. Um, and I, I just imagine that he spends time in AAA and then I don't know what you do with him unless I know that they were talking about getting him some play in the outfield um, or he could become trade bait. You know, I don't know what the future is for Evan White, unfortunately, uh, because of the fact that um, because of the fact that uh, I, oh yeah, Ty France uh, has really burst onto the scene has taken that first base job and I don't think it's going anywhere. So we'll see about that uh, in the outfield, the probably most talked about group for this team at the moment uh outfielders uh mitch hanniger jared kelnick kyle lewis who is also currently on the injured list and he comes into play as well i mean i'm uh if you've been following the show i've been a big kyle lewis fan um and it it sucks because you know if if in the best case scenario that well for the for these two players the best case scenario that Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez pan out, you've you've got, I mean, if 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 Rodriguez and Kelnick pan out, they take two outfield spots. Uh, if unless Jesse Winker decides to die, you know, in that case, if he so if he just plays like he has like last season, I would hold on to him. You've got two sort of odd men out in Lewis and Hanniger, and does one of them want to rotate in at times? And eventually, you know, if you have one rotate in and out, you've just got an odd man out as well. So then it, it's 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 un, unless uh, somehow it changes. It seems like Lewis would be the likely one to be traded. Uh, and that sucks because ultimately at the end of the day, um, if it betters the team, it, it's it what need it's what needs to happen. Um, but also he's my favorite player at the moment. Um, so that is, that is a tough decision. I personally don't like having to worry about that. Um, in the catcher department, as I mentioned with the three catchers, Tom Murphy, Cal Raleigh, and Luis Terenz. Raleigh being the one with the most upside in that department, uh, but Murphy and Terenz haven't been playing poorly so far either. Um, so there is that. On the 8th, the Mariners extended J.P. Crawford to a five-year, $51 million deal beginning in 2022 and extending through the 2026 season uh, Crawford winning the AL gold glove uh, for the shortstop position in 2022 and being a finalist last year for it, having incredible war numbers on the offensive and defensive side of the ball last season. Um, and I believe the season uh, before that too. Uh This is a really solid deal. I mean, five years, $50 million for a guy that has been the heartbeat of this team. Uh, The new captain of this team, you know, a incredibly incredible defensive shortstop uh, that his bat has been consistently growing Um, on a five year, $50 million, $51 million. It's a really great deal. 
Um, and I'm glad that the Mariners were able to get that locked up uh, with Crawford, a guy that, you know, hopefully, you know, can, well, not even hopefully has already been the face of this team uh, for the last two years, I would say. So um, really glad that the Mariners were able to get that done. As we head over to league notes on the fourth, uh, there will be a new tribute in place for Jackie Robinson day for the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson's debut. All players will wear a Dodger blue 42 on the back of their jerseys on April 15th, that April 15th day being the Mariners home opener at T-Mobile park on April 5th, the MLB announced that they will be allowing teams to use electronic pitch signaling devices this season to deter teams from sealing signals. Uh, this is good for the game. You know, it, it, it makes things more efficient uh, for the game of baseball itself and, you know, deters away from the sign ceiling. But also it's really funny the fact that these electronic pitch signaling devices are essentially just Apple watches. <laughs> so, I mean, again, if it works, it works. Uh, and I know that they've talked about it on the Mariners broadcast that several of the Mariners, uh, you know, the catchers as well as other players like it. So, I mean, as long as the players like it, that's all that matters. Um, on the 6th, it was announced that CC Sabathia will get a new role with Major League Baseball. The former Yankee star pitcher has been named a special assistant to the commissioner in a role that was developed specifically for him. It will be interesting to see what comes from Sabathia's role there and how it will help to make baseball a more relevant sport to this, uh, the country uh, moving forward. On the 8th, it was announced that Rachel Balkovic, uh, well, not was announced, Rachel Balkovic, made her historical man managerial debut with the link Yankees low a affiliate, the Tampa Tarpoons uh, and would win that game uh, in her debut. So good to see that. And it will be really cool to see Balkovic uh, make the climb up the ranks uh, as a manager. Uh, and then there's a situation with Aaron judge. The Yankees offered their all-star outfielder a deal that would have made him the highest paid annual position player in team history. He would go on to deny that deal and said that he will talk to 30 teams ahead of free agency this upcoming season when he becomes a free agent. Uh, it will be really interesting to see how that develops. I would like for him to end up outside of the American League, uh, and just as long as, his, as long as he doesn't re-sign with the Yankees. Uh, this could be a leveraging thing. He could just be working to get some more money in there. Um, I just know that, you know, how it regards to our show, that we already have a logjam in the outfield anyway. So I'm not really concerned about it um, as it relates to the Mariners on the 10th, Rob Manfred sent gifts to the players. The MLB commissioner sent players Bose headphones with a letter of appreciation in an attempt to repair relations. That is hilarious. Uh, headphones to repair the lockout situation is just absolutely hilarious, stupid. And I can't believe that they actually did that. Oopsie. I have to fix this. I messed up my notes. Yeah, that's just, uh, I mean, come on. You can't, you cannot do that and expect that to have any actual merit. Um, that was, yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, so the Mariners record now sits at two wins and two losses. They split that series with the Twins. They are second in the AL West now following that loss. Um, looking at their, uh, upcoming schedule now they will play a three-game series against the chicago white Sox on the road april 12th uh at the white Sox with a 110 start april 13th at a 410 start and april 14th at a 11 10 a.m start um 
there was a potential tornado warning, I guess, in Chicago uh, coming for those days. So that series might get moved around and pushed around and we might hear some weirdness about it, but we'll, we'll have to see more on that. But then uh, the Mariners will come home on the 15th to play the Houston Astros at 6.42 p.m. in their home opener on Jackie Robinson Day, the first home series since the packed sellout crowd Angels series to end the year last year. So it'll be really exciting to see the energy in the building that day. Um, Circling Cell Sports will be there, obviously. We'll be there all season. Um, uh, What was I going to say? Completely lost it. Yes, we'll be there um, and excited to see that. It's a sellout crowd, I guess. I don't know if I said that already, but excited to see that um, and how the Mariners respond to their first divisional opponent uh, this season. April 16th versus the Astros, a 6.10 p.m. start, and April 17th versus the Astros, a 1.10 p.m. start. Um, heading over to our Seattle Storm here and the WNBA draft. So the draft took place today. Um, right after the CSS on Converge episode. Uh, so we'll, we'll read the mock draft that was created by ESPN's Michelle Vopel, um, kind of look at what we thought the Storm would potentially target in terms of positionally and review the actual draft and how that took place. On the 6th, ESPN released that mock draft. Uh, she had Seattle drafting the following players with their four picks in the number 17 slot taking Nia Cloudon, a guard from Michigan State, earning uh, all Big Ten honors all four of her season at Michigan State, uh, averaging 20 points per game, four rebounds per game, and four assists per game last season. Uh, With the Spartans, she would be selected before the Storm's actual pick came up. So I can tell you that's, you know, doesn't matter. The number 18 selection, uh, having them pick Jade Melbourne, a guard out of Australia, averaging 12 points per game, three assists per game, and five rebounds per game in the 2021 FIBA U19 Women's Basketball World Cup. Keep an eye on that name, that J. Bum Melbourne name. Hold on to that. Uh, at number 21, selecting Lexi Hull, a guard from Stanford, averaging 12.5 points per game, 5.2 rebounds per game, and one point assists per game. Last season with Stanford winning a title in 2021. And also being from Spokane, that pick couldn't happen because Hull was taken number six overall, which was a huge reach for a bunch of analysts Um, and the number 33 selection being Hannah Sirvin, a forward out of South Dakota listed as a center on the South Dakota website, averaging 15.1 points per game, 7.5 rebounds per game and 1.2 assists per game last season. So only (laughs) just remember the Melbourne name, the other three names, none of them would end up in Seattle. Uh, as we move over here to April 7th, the Storm announced their 2022 local broadcast schedule as Fox 13 will broadcast 28 Storm games locally this season. On the 9th, Eddie Magbagor won the WNBL t- uh, championship with the Deacon Melbourne Boomers. On the 10th, Gabby Williams uh, won the EuroLeague championship with Sopron Basketball being named the EuroLeague Women's Final Four MVP, averaging 14.5 points per game, five rebounds per game, 4.5 assists per game, and 3.5 steals per game. So both Magbagor and Williams taking home some, uh, bringing back some hardware uh, when they get back into camp. And then on the 11th, the WNBA draft took place, and here is what actually uh, happened for Seattle. In the 17th overall pick, Seattle Palicked, Palicked? 
Alyssa Kunain, a center out of North Carolina State, uh, essentially helping North Carolina State uh, get to where they did this past season. And uh, really, you know, from the reaction on Twitter, this was a pick that people did not think would fall to Seattle. Um, and is a big that, you know, not too polished offensively, but uh, is, a, is a presence in the paint. And it's kind of what I was hoping for. I was hoping for an heir apparent to the point guard position for Sue Bird once she retires, you know, with the additional fact that Breon January is retiring this season as well. Um, so an heir apparent at the point guard position. Ultimately, if I had my way, I would like Kelsey Plum to take over the point guard position next season because she's a free agent this upcoming offseason. But I would like to see going into the draft, I would have liked to see potentially an heir apparent at the guard position. Um, at the point guard position because Drew Lloyd can play the point guard position, but she's been playing as a two guard with Sue Bird um, and, and a paint presence. And they got that paint presence with Cunane. So I was happy to see that pick. That was a cool pick. At the nun- number 18 overall pick, the team selected forward uh, Lorella Kubash out of Georgia Tech, but then they would immediately trade her rights uh, to the New York Liberty for the Liberty's 2023 second round pick. So trading out of the draft there, uh, which is kind of interesting. At the number 21 overall pick, the team selected point uh, guard Evino Westbrook from UConn. So the obvious UConn connection there. Uh, Westbrook averaged 9.2 points per game and 4.5 rebounds per game in two seasons with UConn. Uh, a friend of mine told me that she played a lot at the four spot in the tournament, um, which is point uh, power forward, if you're not aware. Um, and she's from Oregon. So some Pacific Northwest love there. Um, and then the number 33 overall pick, the team selected point guard Jade Melbourne out of Australia at the guard position. Uh, so one of those picks from that mock draft actually ended up being correctly just in a different spot. And I did see that someone said if the storm can, you know, stash her for a few years, this will be a solid pick. Um, I'm really intrigued to see which of these players ends up with the actual roster, uh, which one Seattle ends up trying to hold on to maybe. Um, but um, okay. One second. Uh Um, but ultimately I would, I would like to see Cunane. Westbrook and Melbourne are tough. Um, I would like to see all of them end up there, but I don't know if Westbrook, I don't know if that will have to be a decision that's made there, because if we look at the current storm roster here, we head over to Seattle storm. Ooh, it could make some things interesting. I head over to the Storm roster and they asked me to buy tickets. No, thank you. I will already be there. Um, so you look at it and we look at it by position. Oh, I can't do that. So Subert, obviously. Kennedy Burke plays guard forward. Uh, Alyssa Cunane is a center. Micaiah Herbert Harrigan is a forward. Beyond January guard, John Lavender forward, Drew Lloyd guard, Ezzy Magbagor center, Lauren Manis forward, Jade Melbourne guard, Epiphany Prince guard, Mercedes Russell center, 
Brianna Stewart forward, Stephanie Talbot forward, Ivana Westbrook guard, and Gabby Williams forward. So I'd say maybe there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight players on that roster that I guess almost have a spot guaranteed, but you know that they're not always necessarily guaranteed. Now, uh, WNBA roster size. 12 players. So, so there's four spots, you know, if I, if, if we're using my logic and my ideas that, you know, eight, eight of those 12 spots are filled. There's four left. Um, and so we go back to that roster here. It's tough because you're looking at Westbrook, Melbourne, Manis, uh, Lavender, Cunane, Burke. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, six players fighting for four spots. So two of them aren't going to make it. Oh, wait. Did I include Prince? I don't think I did. So seven, seven players fighting for four spots. So three of them aren't going to make it. Um, that's ah, God camp is not going to be fun. So we'll see how that goes. Um, uh, I know that that's been proposed. Obviously there should be WNBA expansion. That should be a thing already. Don't have to worry about that, but also roster expansion as well. WNBA rosters are 12 players deep. What's NBA roster size. NBA roster size is 14 players. Yeah. 14 players. Okay. So that's two. That's not including two-way players. So, yeah. 20, 15 players during the regular season allowed to carry up to 20 during the offseason. So, you know, these these rosters need to be expanded in WNBA. Um, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be really cut tough and camp is coming up. So as we continue forward, uh, the draft has taken place. And now I guess I could say that the next thing that's taking place is the April 23rd preseason game versus the LA Sparks at Climate Pledge Arena. That is a six, I believe that's a six o'clock start. But yeah, camp will be starting up pretty soon. Um, and it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. I have to check here just to make sure that there's not anything else taking place before that uh, preseason home game. Yeah, so that game, April 23rd, is six o'clock. Um, is there anything finalizing details for a preseason road game to be announced at a future date? So there'll be no, yeah. So, uh, camp will be starting up any times here and that preseason game is on the 23rd and we'll also factor into who ends up on the regular season roster. So that'll be a big date. So looking ahead to April 23rd versus the sparks, which is a six o'clock start time, excuse me, as we head over to our Seattle Sounders here who played a really big game back on the sixth of the month versus New York city FC uh, leg one of the CONCACAF champions league semifinal winning that game three to one player of the game would be for Jordan Morris, excuse me, with one goal, one assist, a 79% passer rating passing percentage. My pardon, my apologies. And an 8.4 match rating big game on several accounts for the Sounders as you know, no MLS team has made it to when no MLS team has won the champion CONCACAF champions league final, uh, let alone 
no, not, not let alone. No team has won the final. Uh, and now with the uh, with you know the Sounders matchup against the um, Sounders matchup against New York City FC, it guarantees that one of them will be in the final. Um, and so obviously raises the chances of that happening. Uh, Seattle needed a pretty solid win to get them into good position going into leg two. And I would say that they did that. The one goal that they gave up was pretty sloppy and just, you know, something that could be corrected pretty easily. Um, So not too mad about it. Would have liked to get more than a two goal advantage, but two goal advantage is not a bad thing heading into uh, the game in New Jersey. Uh, Better than nothing. Um, Pretty big game and a pretty solid crowd for it as well. So happy with that situation. Uh, And we'll get into injury news on the fifth. Defender Yamar was seen jogging at practice on the ninth. Jao Paulo trained. I know that there was some injury concern with him, uh, but Yamar was likely to miss Wednesday. It was announced on the ninth. And then the 11th, it was confirmed by Brian Schmetcher uh, that everyone on the roster is good to go for the Wednesday matchup in leg two, except for Yamar. So he is still dealing with his injury and he is still working that out. Um, I'm hoping that the situation is that he's getting there. He's just not quite there yet. And that the team is hoping to be able to bring him back for the final if they make it to that. Um, But we'll ultimately have to see about that. That could be me just speculating, but that is what I'm hoping is happening. Um, In team related notes on the eighth, it was announced that the team has a buy into the U S open cup round of 32. Seattle is one of the eight MLS teams who are not yet playing in the tournament. So if you don't know about the U S open cup, I believe the Sounders already have one. Um, Let me just, I don't want to give you false information like other bullshit Seattle sports shows because I'm not that guy. Um, Do, 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 do. Oh, does it not tell me? Huh. Oh, wait. Um, honors? U.S. Open Cup. Oh, four times. Yay. Very cool. Um, so, yes, we will just run it by you. If you don't know what the U.S. Open Cup... Uh, oh, wait. U.S. Open Cup bracket. Very cool. It's a knockout cup competition in American soccer that started on March 22nd. Uh, this is the 107th edition of the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, 2020 and 2021 seasons were suspended and canceled due to the pandemic. Um, will feature 103 clubs, 71 of them fully professional. Um, so there are division two and three professional teams entering in the second round. Uh, 17 MLS teams will enter in the third round and then the remaining eight teams, the four that were playing in the CONCACAF Champions League final, Champions League, uh, next highest two teams in both the Eastern and Western conferences enter in the round of 32. Um, so it's a lot of teams from around the U.S. is essentially what is happening. Uh, Sounders, Portland, Portland Timbers U23 team, Park City Red Wolves SC. It's essentially just a bunch of uh, U.S. teams taking place in it. Um, let's see who won it last. U.S. Open Cup winners list. Team that won it last. Oops. Okay, here we go. 
team that won it last in 2019 was Atlanta United um, over Minnesota United. And then Houston, um, Sporting KC, Dallas, Sporting KC, and then us. So um, very nice to see that. So Seattle, you know, getting back into that cup, uh, will have that entryway into the round of 32. Um, and then also a little bit of a house cleaning note. Uh, on the 11th, it was announced that, uh, well, general manager Garth Lagerway, uh spoke on the team trying to bring back hometown kid DeAndre Yedlin, said that the team has tried several times over the last few years to try and bring Yedlin back, but ultimately the cost to bring him back was too big, especially considering the fact that the team already felt comfortable with their right back position, referring to Alex Roldan and Kellen Rowe. Um, so, you know, an Ode high school grad, so I'm already biased in that regard. Uh, it sounds like, you know, both, both Riedlin himself and the Sounders have expressed interest. So it sounds like it'll happen at some point. Just Seattle is already comfortable with their back position, uh, as it sits. So, uh, in MLS, Seattle sits at a two, one and two record ninth in the Western conference. Their two next upcoming games are April 16th. Uh, April 13th at uh, New York city FC that will be played um, in Miami. I mean, in Red Bulls, Red Bull arena, my apologies. I'm kind of all over the place right now. Um, as I made a mistake on the CSS on converge episode uh, for the Sounders. And I forgot to add the Miami game on the 16th, but anyway, April 13th at New York city FC at six o'clock. This is like two of the CONCACAF Champions League final. And so the Sounders will have a two goal advantage heading into that game. Um, And then the other game, as I just essentially said, um, is April 16th versus Inter Miami at FC back at Lumen Field, uh, back to MLS play. That is a seven o'clock start and might be why we have heard that news about Yedlin because Yedlin is with Miami. So continuing here to our Kraken news. Uh, looking at our Kraken, who played three games over the past week on April 6th at the St. Louis Blues, losing that game 1-4. Played the game, defenseman Will Borgen with one assist, one point, a one plus minus, four shots on goal, three hits, and one block. So tough loss there as the Kraken have to face the music against the Blues. April 7th at the Chicago Blackhawks, winning that game 2 to nothing. Played the game number one, goaltender Philip Grubauer with 29 saves in the shutout the second shutout on the season for Grubauer, the 20th of his career. Uh, And then player of the game, number two forward, Jordan Eberle with one goal, one assist, two points, a two plus minus four shots on goal and a hit Seattle taking the season series against the Blackhawks with that win. And then April 9th versus the Calgary flames, losing that one, one, the four player of the game forward, Carson Kuhlman with one goal, one point, three shots on goal. Uh, so, you know, a one and two week over the past week for the Kraken here, uh, the Kraken losing that game against Calgary, but playing their first home and home series, uh, in the first time for the first time in franchise history, as their next game will be on the road against Calgary. Uh, but the biggest news came, uh, off the ice, I guess you could say, um, before we get to that though. Um, and team related news uh, on the fifth, the team recalled defenseman Kale Flurry um, from AHL Charlotte. And then um, on the eighth, uh, with the news that Michigan would lose in the fight, the, the uh, shoot, 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 what's it called? The Frozen Four, the NCAA hockey and the men's hockey tournament. 
um, it was announced that uh, the number two overall pick in last year's draft, Seattle's pick, Matty Beneers, was likely to sign with the Kraken soon. Could have joined the team as soon as Saturday the 9th. On the 10th, it was announced the officially that the team was signing Beneers to a three-year entry-level deal. Uh, Beneers was selected, obviously, second overall by the team in the uh, franchise's first NHL draft pick. Back in July of 2021, Beneers is the first draft pick to join the franchise and will wear the number 10. Um, there's no clear day or idea when we might see Beneers play his first game, uh, but you have to figure with the Kraken burning the first year of his entry-level contract, you know, getting him to Seattle with less than a month left on the season, that we will see him at least get some experience on the ice with his teammates. I know that Dave Haxall was asked about it, said that, you know, the media needs to slow down and that they want to get him comfortable in the locker room before he actually gets going on the ice. Um, but I have to figure, you know, with the um, burning that first year of his entry-level contract as ELC that, we will see him at some point. And on the circling sales sports on converge uh, episode, um, I stated the 16th as the first game potential for that. Um, and we'll ultimately have to see about that, but at, uh, that's what I pinpoint as the most likely scenario um, as his first game. So we will see about that. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, and then in the league news on the eighth, uh, just in comparison to Beneers, the number one overall pick in last year's draft signed with the Buffalo Sabres, Owen Power, uh, who recently played with, well, not really, well, yeah, I guess recently played with the Canada national team, signed a three-year entry-level deal. Uh, the defenseman was drafted first overall last draft uh, back in July, obviously. Um, and it will be interesting to see when Power plays his first overall game uh, with with Buffalo and then the only thing to keep an eye on, I guess, with this all being said, is that uh, Beneers is set to um, have his family in Calgary um, when the Kraken take on the Flames on the 12th. So that will be something to keep an eye on. So before we get to that, though, um, the Kraken sit at a 23-win, 43-loss record uh, with six overtime losses, resulting in 52 points. They sit at eighth in the Pacific Division, so that has not changed. And looking ahead, the Kraken will play three games, April 12th at the Calgary Flames with a 6 o'clock start, April 13th at the Winnipeg Jets with a 5.30 start, and April 16th versus the New Jersey Devils back at home with a 7 o'clock start. That April 16th game is the one that I am pegging as the potential start for Beneers. So we will see that um, how that, unplays, that plays out over the, past, over the next week. Heading over to our oil rain here. Uh, didn't have a game last week because of the international break, but we do have some team news as on the seventh, Fallon Tillis Choice earned the NWSL save of the week for the second week in a row. It's his second award and three, award and three career starts with the rain. The goalkeeper has played in every minute in the oil range challenge cup campaign this year. She has made 10 total saves over the across the team's three games um, and has really solidified herself uh, as a starting goalie. I know that personally I had some concerns, um, you know, because, you know, with the finishing in the second seed of the league last season, uh, losing to the eventual champs in the second round of the playoffs, you would have hoped that I, I would have hoped that you would have had a, a maybe a veteran in that spot. But ultimately, um, 
the organization to opted to go with Fallon. And she's really solidified herself in that role. And I, I, I'll admit it, I was wrong. So I think it's time now, if you're not on the Talis Joyce bandwagon, to do so. Because she's looked really calm in that. And she's, you know, it's obvious that the, the organization has faith in her. So glad to see that. And congratulations to Talis Joyce um, on the award there. Um, so the rain record still sits at two wins and a draw uh, first in the Western division, looking ahead, the rain have two contests, April 14th versus the San Diego wave at seven o'clock and April 17th at angel city FC at three o'clock. Both of those are at Lumen field heading over to our Seattle Seawolves here on the ninth of the month, the team traveled to new England to play these seven and one free jacks losing that game 22 to 24, no player to the game there, a tough loss. It was exciting to see that, Seattle hung in that game as long as they did, considering, you know, the, New England is leading MLR. You know, they're they're essentially the best team in the league right now. And the Seawolves coming off of their bye week, you know, four and four, fighting for that playoff spot in the Western Conference that they hung in there and they fought for it. Um, but now you sit at a precarious situation. You're at four and five. You've got five losses on your belt. You're sitting at fifth in the Western Conference with, I believe, 23 points. And it's, it's, it's getting tough. You're going to play the San Diego Legion here on the 16th uh, at Starfire at three o'clock. You know, you're playing at your home stadium. It's a rivalry game and you're playing a team that's above you in the standings in the Western conference. Um, It's going to get tougher here. You have to win this game. I would say going forward in the Western conference uh, because you're going to need those points um and you're playing a team again that's above you so i mean it's it's going to be really tough if this is a seawolves team that wants to get back to the playoffs um after two seasons of disappointment granted that one was cut short due to the pandemic um so it's it's going to be tough but they they showed some good things i think uh last week against new england and I, it should be a good building block heading into april 16th versus the legion at three o'clock so if you've got time to head down to starfire i know there's a lot going on the 16th with the mariners and the kraken and the sounders if you're a rugby fan and you're tequila and you can't make it up to seattle go to the seawolves game they've always got a good crowd they've got a famous pedigree as the best atmosphere in mlr so go out there and check that out um so so we look to round things out with UW Athletics here with some news uh, with UW football. UW uh, picked up a few signings over the past week, running back Wayne Tuolapapa, a Virginia transfer at running back. Uh, it's 5'9", had some limited stats with Virginia, so I think he's on his last few years or potentially year of eligibility. Uh, wide receiver Keith Reynolds, a three-star wide receiver out of California, and wide receiver slash running back Will Nixon, a Nebraska transfer uh, that was a multi-purpose player down in Texas. In college football news, UW lost out on a five-star offensive tackle. Rainer Beach High School offensive tackle Josh Connerly opts uh, for Oregon uh, instead of Washington, the uh, number two tackle in the class of 2022. Uh, Dabo Sweeney refers to players as baggage handlers in justification of college coaching salaries. Um, and an ex-Oregon lineman files a lawsuit against the school. Doug Brenner is suing the University of the NCAA and former coach Willie Taggart for $120 million. 2020, hey? $120 million alleging permanent damages after workouts in 2017 um, in basketball news. The men's basketball news picked up a big transfer 
and former Washington State guard Noah Williams. Noah Williams, a O'Day High School grad um, that was productive with the Cougars, had a lot of things to say over the years about the Huskies, but now entered the transfer portal of a week ago, I believe, and ends up with the Huskies. So that'll be cool to see a hometown guy come home. In baseball-related news, uh, the Huskies played four games over the past week, April 8th through 10th versus Cal, and then April 11th versus uh, Utah Valley. April 8th at Cal winning 6-4. to four. Player of the game, right fielder Kobe Morales going 1-4 for four with two RBIs and a walk. April 9th at Cal losing 3-6, to six, so no player of the game there. And then another disappointing finish uh, to lose a series against Cal, uh, 5-14. to 14. I mean, that's just an embarrassment, and I cannot reward that. So uh, that would leave the Huskies at 15-15, and 15, but today they played Utah Valley looking to pick some things up, winning that game 7-1. Uh, Jake Enger, pitcher, moved 2-3-0. and oh. So we look here at it. Uh, player of the game, first baseman Will Simpson going two for uh, three for four with two runs and four RBIs. Uh, I could also give it to Anger here if we look at Anger stats. Um, mm, oh, wait, he only played one inning. Mm, eh, no, I won't give it anything. We'll, go, we'll keep it with Simpson. Um, so, yes, uh, seven and one there. So the Huskies sit at a six and 16 and 15 record. Looking ahead, they will play April 14th through 16th at Oregon. That game on the 14th. These are all at home, by the way. April 14th at 7.05, April 15th at 2.05, and April 16th at 2.05 as well. Softball uh, had the week off over the past week. Their team news, Bailey Klingler earned Pac-12 Player of the Week on Monday. Last Monday, uh, hit three homers, including a game-winning Grand Slam against Arizona a few weeks back now. The Huskies sit at 15th in the nation with a 22-11 record. They sit at 11th in the Pac-12 due to their uh, poor Pac-12 record. Looking ahead, uh, they had a game on April 12th um, against Seattle U, but that game was postponed, and that date is being worked out. So their next series is April 14th through 16th versus Oregon State. April 14th at 5 o'clock, 15th at 6 o'clock, and April 16th at 2 o'clock. All of those games are at Husky Softball Stadium. So with that being said, uh, this is probably pushing a little bit uh, on the hefty side of episodes. So we'll wrap it up here uh, until we see you again. Be make sure to follow us on YouTube, Circling Seattle Sports, Instagram, Circling Seattle Sports, Twitter, Circling Sports, and Facebook, Circling Seattle Sports. So you can keep up to date all the way on all of our sports, uh, all of our Seattle professional sports teams, seven of them, and nine UW athletics teams. Um, all of that information comes to you much faster if you follow us on social media, as well as finding out when podcast episodes drop, uh, when interviews drop, when Seattle Sports, Circling Seattle Sports on Converge drops, all of it, the best Seattle sports show that there is, unquestioned. Um, and until we see you back next week, take care of yourself, be well, and do, uh, do whatever is possible to make today a great day. Baba Bowie.